So we talked about this idea of identity and we talked about how it's not based in what we do, but it's based in who we are. But I would love to start with like what keeps us from understanding who we really are. So I don't know what thoughts come to mind for you guys, but just in day-to-day life in reality, like what do you think keeps us from understanding who we truly are in Christ or what have you experienced? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, I think, um, the first thing is just the busyness of the world. You know, we've touched on that a little bit, but, um, just the, the efficiency that we live our day-to-day lives with, um, we really don't pause long enough to think about it quite often. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's much easier just to, to wear a mask and show up in, in a way that, um, the rest of the world sees as acceptable, you know, um, I'm a professional or I'm a husband or I'm a father or I'm this or that, um, yeah. and really root, rooting our identity in something other than Christ, um, because that's so countercultural. Yeah. What yeah. I mean, I think the whole world is against our identity in Christ, right? Like it's, 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 oh, a, just it's, that a, it's, it's just a little thing, you know? <laughs> no, I think, um, I always thought it's somebody wrote, I can't remember who wrote this, but somebody wrote that, you know, um, the world is telling you liturgies, um, and, and liturgies are essentially stories, you know, liturgies is an ancient way of, um, talking about Christian, Christian worship and the way that we tell the true story of the world and mm-hmm. Christian worship. And so this author just talked about like how the world's telling you liturgies is telling you story. And he used the example of a shopping mall and said, you know, if you go into a mall, um, you walk in and you're immediately invited into a story, but then like multiple smaller stories, like literally every store is inviting you into a story. It's a narrative. You know, if you, if you go in a certain clothing store, they're presenting like, you know, an identity. It's like if you if you wear this this brand of clothing, you'll and by the way, they all have uh scents. Did you know that? Like yeah. in a mall, they all have their own scent. And it's yeah. like and so it's like they're doing it on purpose. Like it's drawing you into this narrative. Yeah. And I just think that's a great like it's a silly example, but it's uh I think it's a profound example of yeah. you know, that the world is offering you all these stories that says this is who you are. Yeah. It's a good practical one. Cause I often think about how, um, we, we talk about like the, the forces that, that shape the world as in like governments and this and money. And I'm like, actually it's marketing. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. most money in the world resides with companies Mm -hmm. and companies put their money into marketing in the way that you just talked about. And so not, not posing that as evil. I mean, I, I do marketing in my company, but it's because of doing it, it's very clear to me. Like, yeah, all the money and power of the world is is usually going towards trying to shape your identity to buy to buy my product. Right. So that I think that is really significant to recognize. The messages are more than ever constantly coming at us. Yeah. The one I thought about was actually um, the kind of related to your business comment, Ron, about work is um one of the things that kind of keeps me from understanding my identity in christ is that all day long i am like measured and rewarded by Mm. (laughs) trying to um achieve and so uh it just like so infiltrates my my thinking that i transport that into relationships and into relationship with god like 
well, I have to achieve a certain checklist to like keep him satisfied the same way I have to achieve a certain checklist at work to like keep the work or the boss or the customers or whatever satisfied. Mm -hmm. And similar to marketing, it's like I'm laughing, but it's actually pretty profound uh, how that seeps in. Yeah, I think you hear that. And, you know, if you were to go to a social gathering with people you didn't know, what's the first question that you get asked after your name is what do you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think that just further roots our identity in what we do yes. and, you know, in particular in our jobs. And it's just so interesting as a, as a pastor, you know, the responses you get, um, once you share that, mm-hmm. um, but that's, I mean, that's where most of the world finds their identity is, Hey, this is what I do. It's who I am. Um, I'm known by this and I found my, my value in this most often. Yeah. It reminds me for some reason of like lineage and family too. And I don't experience this in my life, but I know some people do. And especially maybe more in, in the past, that was a bigger thing or in certain countries, it's a bigger thing. Like you're the family you come from mm-hmm. is is a primary or huge identity shaper. I think that's true in all all families. You know, there's in counseling, there's family systems theory. You know, that's mm-hmm. all about like how you know the the systems that govern uh, your household growing up like profoundly shape you. And it, I mean, if you're if you're married, you know, you can relate to this. It's like when you know you grow up in one family system and you have certain rules by which the game of yes. life is played, yeah. and then you get married and you marry. You think, well, I'm marrying this person I love, but you actually realize, like, oh, I'm actually marrying a whole other family system. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yes. and that's the rub, right? And that's mm-hmm. and I think like it's that is a, I think um, appropriate metaphor um, for the way that like we fail to understand our identity in Christ because essentially becoming a Christian is being invited into a new family. I mean, that's what the scriptures tell us. And it's like, we've been operating with one family system with one set of rules, but the God says, no, like there's a different set of rules that I have for, for, for my family, which are Mm -hmm. by the way, way better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that whole identity, that whole idea of God's kingdom is like that new Mm -hmm. set of ways of being and identity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's such a big example. I haven't heard that before, but just thinking about, man, when you get married and in particular around holidays, you oh, know, and man. the traditions of holidays yes. and like, <laughs> oh, why do we do, why do we hang the stockings here or do this thing? Well, it's because it's what we always do, Yeah, you know, and, and that's such a great example of basically the world and the identity that we have in the world and then the identity that we have in Christ and how those are basically, I mean, what you're seeing uh, around Christmas is, is that different, right? That's like right. I do this thing, um, but Christ tells me this and to find my identity in him is really changing everything I've ever known in a lot of ways um, and adapting it to that new way. Yeah. Brand new worldview, brand new family. <laughs> like yeah. just yeah. a, just a few, few minor changes. Well, it's kind of, <laughs> that's actually kind of a great transition there because yeah, it is so, consistent with the Bible talking about us, we are essentially marrying the bride of Christ. Like we're marrying into God's family. So that does kind of point at why it's so important to understand that new identity or that new family way. So why don't we talk about that? Like what is then our true identity? (laughs) If it's not what we do, if it's not these other ways that we've shaped our identity, what is the true identity? Cause I, I know at least for me, um, I, I don't think I understood that very well 
before having this discussion. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back to the true story of the world. I mean, that's, I think we're going to keep pointing at that as like the best way to understand the scriptures is, is one cohesive true story of the world that tells you everything that you need to know about life, which is, it's all the big questions, right? It's who's God, who are, who, who are people, you know, what, like, what is going to happen, um, over time, you know, what is, what are God's plans in time? Um, you know, what should our priorities be? How should we live in the world? All these big questions and the trajectory, the trajectory of the story is, is really that there's been only one true human in all of, all of human history. And his name was Jesus. Like he's the only true human that ever lived because he's the only one who, um, was able to, to, to live out in perfection, um, all that God intended for us to, to live out in, in relationship with him. And so, um, our identity is, is meant to be rooted in the one true human. Like as humans, we're, we're supposed to be adopted into God's family as beloved sons and daughters. And we're given access to that through, through Christ. Um, and so what we learn then, and this is in the profound mystery of, of the good news is that somehow, um, everything that's true about Christ's identity is therefore true about us <laughs> when, when, when we choose uh, to, um, follow him and say, you know, we believe in our heart and we say, and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we declare allegiance to him. Like the scriptures very clearly tell us you are like, your old self in second Corinthians, Paul says, right. The, the old is gone. The new has come. Behold, you're a new, you're a new creation. Yeah. We talked a little bit about, um, simple stories and complex stories earlier, you know, and I think the simple story that we often tell ourselves about identity in Christ is, um, you know, Hey, I prayed, I prayed a, a prayer. I became a believer. Now my identity is in Christ from yes. here on out. You know, and I think I'll say for myself, that's the easy, simple story that I believe. And that's, that's right. But I think there's also what you're alluding to is, hey, it's a constant work to continue to unpack that and discover it. So can you share a little bit about just the how mm -hmm. behind our identity that's now in Jesus? Um, but what does that look like day to day? Yeah. And there's lots of aspects. And part of what we'll provide in the show notes is um, a link to, you know, a guide to the scriptures. Cause there's all, I mean, we don't, you know, we, we don't have time to go over all <laughs> the things that the scriptures tell us about who we are in, in Christ. Um, but just to, just to name a few of those, you know, the, the first and most important is that the scriptures teach us that we are beloved sons and daughters, right? Because Christ was, is God's beloved son, you know, and John, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? Yeah. And so if that's who Christ is, and then when we follow him, our identity is is his identity, then what we learn from that is that we are beloved sons and yeah. daughters of the king. And that just full stop right there. Like well, and something that that really hit me because I think anyone who's been around or in church hears that. And honestly, it's in one ear out the other. But we all go, mm, yeah, 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 because we're supposed to react that way. Right. But we actually don't internalize what that actually means and feels like. And and uh, somebody said this once, and I think it helped. And he said, 
Yeah, the crazy part is God doesn't just love you. You're not just beloved. He actually likes you. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually is, um, there's a whole narrative that get gets drawn out in that book, The Cure, mm-hmm. that paints this so, so well, yeah. where he paints this whole story of like, what if you and God were hanging out and essentially you sinned against him? And what do we tend to do is like, go hide back to that story of Adam and Eve. Yeah, back to the hide. We go hide or we do punitive punishment on ourselves, and, you know, all these different things we do. And the story he picture he paints is that actually what happens is God moves towards you and is like, like give embraces you, like gives you a big hug. And he, he draws out this story as the picture of like, that's what it means that you're actually beloved is even in your worst moment when you slapped him in the face, like he embraces you because he actually likes you. It's not just like, well, I guess I'll put up with you because, you know, you're my beloved and I have to, and, or even worse, like we have to do penance to get back to him. So anyway, I like that flip of, he doesn't just love you. He actually likes you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, it turned the light bulb on what that actually means is crazy. It, it has an impact on the moment by moment. Yeah. Life and, them. and I'll just say, I mean, I think to, the true understanding of being a beloved son and daughter of the King is sometimes contingent on our family of origin, Oh man, Big you know, time. and what does it, what does it mean to be loved by a father? Um, and the way that we view our earthly father is often the way that we view our heavenly father. And so even, even what you're saying, you know, when we hear those words, sometimes what we receive is not actually the truth yeah. because what I'm receiving is I'm thinking, oh man, what's the, what's the closest thing I can grasp onto that? Well, it's the relationship I had with, with my dad. Right. Okay. Well, is this the healthiest man, you know, right. version of what God, um, is to me out of, I don't know, you know, and so that's how I think our minds quickly go to, well, man, this is this is what it means to be beloved, yes. but is it really? Well, and that goes back to story, right? And this is why it's so important to do what we call story work to to be in a in a in an ongoing process of uncovering, you know, what's happened to you in your life and where are the places that you've deeply believed lies. Mm-hmm. That are all, that are most often lies that are against your identity. Um, they're teaching you something about yourself that's not that's not true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's why you know how do we believe this thing of like I'm I'm beloved? Well, we have to get more specific. That's right. I mean that's that's yeah. really the answer is, and we have to get really specific about um, the ways in which we've been uniquely wounded, in the in the lies that we particularly believed. And so just to give an example of, of, of that, you know, something that um, I've always struggled with is this is, is the idea of belonging of just never feeling like I quite fit. I've always felt like I'm always a little bit on the, on the outside, on the margins. And, and that's going to be, you know, um, this is going to be an ongoing work for my whole life that I'm going to always be in, in some place of struggle in this story, but I'm very aware of it and I've grown in it and I don't like live out of that lie every day, but I, I, I do get drawn back into it. And so mm-hmm. how do I believe what my true identity is? Well, I need to be in a group with others uh, who know my story enough to know that this is profoundly what I struggle with and they know the details of why and the particular ways I've been wounded in that way. 
And then in the right moments in my, you know, week in, week out struggle, when I have a moment and I am, and I still have them. I talked about this in a previous episode of like, I had a moment recently where there was a, a, a work thing that happened that the circumstances were just in just the right way that I felt excluded. Mm-hmm. And it, I felt a surge of pain that was far bigger than the thing that was happening. But what I need in that moment is somebody to say, Hey, you know what the scriptures tell you is you, you were chosen brother. You're chosen before the foundation of time that like, man, the one who matters the most picked you. Yeah. And, and he picked you cause to Steve, to your point, he, he, he likes you Yeah, and he wants to be with you. I love that, Gabe. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I relate to that one big time too. And I, it made me think of another kind of how to is, and I'm sure you do some version of this. I know I've started to with some of my, uh, some of my identity struggles, but is have like, maybe even have it written down that truth and read it to yourself and think about it mm-hmm. like every morning yeah. or multiple times a week. Um, and I specifically didn't use the word meditate because I think, again, that's just too churchy. We miss the meaning. Like, think about it. Like, sit there in a chair with the door closed and think about it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> that's what I mean. Because when you think about that every day and like really try to chew on it, it starts to like reshape the narrative. So when you do show up in that situation, and then especially if there isn't someone right there to help you, remind you, it's you, mm-hmm. you start to change the story more yeah but then i think the beauty i've seen too is um like when we when we recognize god's truth in this situation now we actually start to see how awesome he is because it feels more personal Mm -hmm. and then that like seeing how awesome he is starts to change us from the inside out and and the behavior and all the like external stuff shifts starts to shift Mm -hmm. but um but I think for a long time, I, I didn't see those parts of like, oh, God is actually that awesome. And so it didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't being changed from the inside out. I was just trying to like put on layers of, um, of that behavior management and then like sing songs about God is awesome (laughs) in that moment where you realize the true identity you have in him. It's like, no, you actually feel like God is really amazing. Yeah. And that changes you. That starts to change you. What's literally undoing the curse of, of Eden, Mm. you know, in, in a particular way. And then you think about like, as, as we enter into our human relationships with a more full true sense of who we really are, and we begin to operate out of that and we begin to relate out of, out of that, you know, you think about the, the benefits to others, like there's an obvious benefit to us that like, as we grow in this understanding of our identity, we become more fully present, more fully alive to mm-hmm. our true selves and begin to have in, a new energy and a, a new way of living. You think about as a dad, I mean, we're all dads, you know, what kind of offering is that to your children that, you know, you are fully alive or more fully alive yeah. in the sense of like, I know I'm beloved because I can't love, I can only love others to the, to the extent that I understand how much I'm loved. Yeah. Not, not, not really. Oh, mm. And good. you're not trying to consume anything, even from your right. own kids oh, in that, man. you know, or find your identity as a good parent or this or that, you yes. know, 
or going back to your own story of origin, like pull some piece of yourself out of this relationship. Um, cause when you're fully present and fully alive, I mean, you show up differently. That's right. Yeah. Cause we do that to our kids, right? Like, um, it's so easy. I mean, there's lots of ways we do that, but I know a common one, you know, for, for me is that like, you know, you, you want your kids to present publicly in a certain way that bring that like makes you look good. Mm-hmm. Right. Good so parent. when your kid misbehaves or whatever, what do you feel often? Shame. Shame. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, I want to hide. Actually, I want to hide my kid, you know? Um, <laughs> but man, what does it look like to, to not need, I don't, I don't, my reputation, my standing in the world, what people think of me, it, it doesn't, it, like, it doesn't matter because yeah. all that's figured out. Yeah. And so what a gift to, to kids and others that we love. You, you talked a little bit um, earlier, used the phrase, a surge of pain, mm-hmm. which I feel like um, is something to go back to because you know, so often what we feel like comes on in an instant and we react to it in an unhealthy way. And then all of a sudden we're in this vicious cycle. Um, so could you share a little bit about that just in your own story of like, how have, how have you mitigated some of those surges of, of pain, um, or, or turn them into a healthy way where you're actually living out of your true identity in Christ? Yeah, so uh, I had a mentor really early on. I've mentioned him before. His name's Gary, by the way. Um, we'll put him in the show notes somewhere because Gary <laughs> Gary is still doing great great work in the world, teaching others this stuff. But um, my wife and I both both went through kind of our story process with Gary and his wife, Sandy. And uh, as, we, as we sat with them, one of the things we talked about a lot is this idea that in marriage, we're, we're triggered all the time. And here's what I mean by, by triggered is that uh, we mentioned this before, that we, we step on each other's pain, yeah. essentially, that like we all have woundedness that comes from our story and that we inadvertently um, wound each other. Or sometimes intentionally. And sometimes right. intentionally, but, <laughs> but most, most of the time not. Yeah. But, um, and then, but we feel pain that surge of pain that doesn't match the intention of the other person. And so like, just to get real candid, you know, and this is a silly example and there's deeper ones, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, not podcast worthy, but like, (laughs) um, you know, I've been married 24 years and, and like one of the things that kind of keeps coming up for us is that I've never felt competent with our finances. Like, that's just not an area of strength for me. I'm just not good with details. Like I miss stuff, forget stuff, whatever. And, and Janet's really, really gifted at, at that. And so um, through the years, she's tried to like manage me in that area. God bless her. And <laughs> like one of the things she a- she'll ask pretty regularly is, um, where's my receipts? And like when she asks, where's my receipts? Like even just saying that to you guys, I, <laughs> you feel, like trigger, I feel a surge trigger. of pain. Um, but no, like it yeah. sounds silly. But when she would ask me that question, um, it it would, she would inadvertently be pressing on a wound and the, and the wound is, um, you see you're incompetent. You're not, you're, you actually, you're never going to have anything. You're not like, you can't figure this out. Um, and you're not going to measure up in this area of your life. And, um, and so like, I would, there's a story that I would believe when she would say those words, where's my receipts, I would feel what I would hear is you're incompetent. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't figure it out. And, you know, and I'm disappointed with you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. 
boy, that's a lot yeah. <laughs> in a question. And she's just going like, I'm just trying to balance the checkbook and yeah, right. like, I need a receipt, like, yeah. you know, um, to do. And so that's just a silly example of something that like over the years has continued to be, you know, a painful point. So how do you deal with that? So mm-hmm. we're sitting with Gary and Sandy and they asked for an example. So we tell this, this story. And so, you know, and they've been married like 40 something years. And they yeah. said, what they've wanted to do is that Gary has, um, he calls it his trigger word that like when he, like when something happens in their relationship like that and he's triggered, he just has this word, his word is wow. That he would just say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Sandy will know like Gary's or something going off Gary that doesn't make any sense. That's deep in his own story. And then there's a, then w- their practice was that, you know, she can exercise then kindness towards him and say like I, this is not the point to engage because gary's now feeling something that has nothing to do with what i'm saying <laughs> there's gonna be some couple but, listening to this or like yeah the other person's trigger is somebody raising their voice yeah so so gary goes wow and then that <laughs> yeah. triggers the other person and they're like wow, wow. It's we're just all like- triggering each other <laughs> yeah so i don't know like we've mm. um we don't have like a cool word like that but we've just done enough of this work yeah. and and so what I have learned in that is is to name that like, hey, I'm to take responsibility for my own feeling in that. Right. And say, like, I am feeling pain right now. I'm feeling less than right now. And I just need a minute, you know? And I would tell you, like, I only get that right about twenty-five percent of the time, which means seventy-five percent of the time, even for me, like, I'm still getting it wrong. Yeah. Well, and I'll say that's I mean, that's advanced level, I feel like, in a lot of ways to even be able to name yeah, 25 cents what, you, me. Yeah, <laughs> what you feel. Because, yeah. you know, so often I think we, as men especially, you just feel pain and yeah. then you react. Right. And you don't even know what that pain's from. You right. can't even name the triggers. You don't. I mean, I just think even naming like what you just did about finances and some of what you're the lies you're believing about yourself in those, in that question is huge. And that probably took a long time to get even to that place. So it's not going to happen overnight, but I do think a step in the right direction is the pause and say, man, why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. And that's such a great question just to ask ourselves in those moments of pain. um, What, what's causing this? Why Mm -hmm. am I feeling this? Yeah. Uh, You mentioned we can't name them all, but it might be good to list off a few other examples what what is in the true identity in Christ? Yeah. Like I was just thinking of a couple. One is that we're forgiven. Yeah. I mean, huge one, but another, I mean, really taking that in, really like remembering I'm I'm actually already forgiven. Even though we're called to repent and to confess, when we do that, we're already forgiven. Yeah. And and I think it can be easy to slip into like, no, I gotta confess so I can get the forgiveness. It's yes. like we're already forgiven. Another one is um, God is with us. He promised he is with us. And I always think this when I or someone else prays, like, God, please be with me today. It's like such a knee-jerk Christian prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, he's already with us. I'm, I've started to shift to where my job is to actually, like, take that, receive mm-hmm. that gift, and, like, be grateful for it versus uh, my prayer would end with me just asking for it as if it's not there like god please be with me today i hope i hope you hear this prayer and do it he's like i i am with you yeah. like take that in you know mm-hmm. um I, i'm curious if other like identity pieces uh come to mind for you guys 
Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, that you're a glorious member of his household. Like that's, that's I think, really provocative imagery. Um, mentioned, you know, that, that, that you're chosen. There's ways that like also God interacts with you that I think are appropriate ways of naming identity is that, you know, there's a beautiful passage in Zephaniah that he's, he's singing over us, mm -hmm. that you're sung over, um, that you're cared for, um, that you're prayed for, you know, um, uh, and that you're seen and that you're known, that your prayers are heard. You know, and all of these are, are things because they're they're ways that God's relating to you. And so you are one who is prayed for by mm -hmm. the king of the universe. You're mm -hmm. one who is seen by the one who made everything. Like, yeah. and if you just sit with that for just five minutes and mm -hmm. don't make it theology, mm -hmm. but make it like, Steve, do you realize like, man, the God who hovered over the waters before the earth was made, like knew your name yeah. and sees you. Like it's an incredible thought. It you is. Know? Yeah. As I've started to experience that, I realize in moments where I sin or I realize I've sinned, um, the best possible thing I can do is like run to God mm -hmm. and like rehearse those truths. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because it, it feels counterintuitive all day long in real life. I'm supposed to, uh, whip myself into shape. And this is like, no, I, the best thing I could do is run to God and like rehearse those things so I can get back into, um, that true identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's a weird practice, I think, because it seems so passive, like we're used to needing to be active. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about like the things we gotta do, the things we should do, the, the work that we need to do, like, what is the work? And I think about how often in this life with God, the work that it's not that we just sit around and do nothing. It's not that we're called to just be monks who just, you know, mm -hmm. sit there all day. We do stuff, but I think what we're called to do is a passive doing <laughs> like it's all these words you see in scripture, like believe, receive, trust, take in, you know, even you think about communion and these things are all about like, we're doing something. We take the communion, but we just are like, taking it in we're not actually producing anything like god produces it but so i don't know that's helped me to think about when we talk about the part our part in the equation like what is the work we do i think it's like the work of receiving not the work of like producing those results it's really a work of becoming you know mm -hmm. and i think that's what this whole thing is is about and it's you know there's it, it's true that the um, the outflow of becoming is doing, you know, is that if we become the, a certain way, um, then like we can't help it. We're going to do, you know, and it's, and that's, you know, the, when, when we receive any good news, you're just like, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to tell somebody I want to, so, you know, but we talk about evangelism, like it's this way, like, I, mean, I guess I got to share Jesus, you know, <laughs> with but it's like, if we focused on, man, just taking in, to your point, receiving what's already been done for us and receiving your identity. And you really understand that. And you really do the story work to name the ways you don't believe that, to way, name the ways you're not operating in that. And the more and more you lean into that, what's going to happen is, man, I can't wait to invite other people into this. You can't help but share about it. It's right. not a task list item anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, yeah. I think the, the image that comes to mind is um, going on like a beautiful journey mm. or like, you know, a walk. You've been to Scotland, Gabe, and have, you know, walked these pilgrim trails and um, in the mountains and the, the idea of walking that journey yes. um, with someone, but you've experienced part of it before. That's right. And I think that's the image that I think of with something like this and Iron Collective is really the idea of like, we're on the journey with with these groups yes. we, we haven't arrived we, we aren't at the end waiting you know hey come on guys hurry up get here with us we're walking it with you we may just be a few steps ahead and guiding right. um, in certain ways but the reality is we're all still in process yes. and no, no one has arrived no and that, and that is a different take on christian leadership is that <laughs> we're just people on the way mm-hmm. too you know and 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 we haven't arrived and we're still a work in progress. And so it's follow me as I follow Christ, not mm-hmm. follow me as I've already got things figured out. 